This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the February edition of The Compliance Life. This month I am featuring another director of trade compliance who now has her own consulting firm, Ellen Smith. I've known Ellen for quite some time. We were both in the Houston compliance community. And Ellen, once again, has a fascinating journey to and from the director's chair for trade compliance. She has a lot of experience in law firm work and other areas I think you will find fascinating on this journey in the compliance life. In part one, academic career and early professional life. The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a chief compliance officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and they'll be right back with Valerie Charles on The Compliance Life. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode of The Compliance Life. This month, I'm thrilled to have with me Ellen Smith. Ellen is well-known in the trade compliance world, and she, uh, in the pandemic, uh, left to start her own consulting company. So uh, we have uh, lots of uh, relationships, uh, of interlocking relationships with companies we work with and for over the years. So it's going to be a great journey this month. And Ellen, I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to tell us your story in the Compliance Life. Thanks, Tom. I am thrilled to be um, to be joining you on your podcast. Uh, it's such a great uh, a great um, experience to be able to do this, and I love talking about how I got here. And uh, and you know, it's always interesting to hear how people, in my view, to hear how people ended up in in this compliance space and particularly the trade compliance space. So I like to share my story. So could we start with your uh, uh, academic career in college and then uh, your early professional career? What took you uh, into this field? Sure. So um, I grew up in in Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia uh, in Bucks County and uh, went to college in, in Pennsylvania, Dickinson College. It's a small liberal arts college right in the center of Pennsylvania, not much around there. Um, and I, I did a uh, one of I had two sort of memorable things, I think, um, from, from my college experience. It, I, you know, made a lot of great, it, it's a great networking college, I think. Um, a lot of folks go to D.C. or New York. Um, I ended up in Texas. We'll get to that, I think. But um um, I double majored in political science and international policy and management studies. The college did not have a business degree, and I thought that was sort of the closest thing. Um, but I spent my junior year abroad in Bologna, Italy. Um, I'm not sure if you get in background noise. Apologies. Um, I spent my junior year abroad in Bologna, Italy, and uh, was thrilled to be able to to take a year and study abroad. Um, I'm half Italian, 
uh, though my grandmother never taught me any, or my dad never taught me any Italian, um, because they, they like to talk about me and my sister in Italian. So I had to learn it once I got over to Italy, <laughs> uh, but it was a great experience. Um, uh, and the other thing I did in, in college was I, I did an internship at the Army War College, which happens to be in, um, in Pennsylvania, uh, in central Pennsylvania, and uh, got to do a study on NATO with the Army War College, which was really interesting. So that sort of set me on my pace to, to say, you know what, I want to do something international with my career. And wasn't sure what it was going to be. Dickinson turns out a whole lot of lawyers, you know, or at least pre-law um, students. I knew I wanted to go to law school, but wasn't sure um, when, uh, you know, what, when or how I would do that. Um, so decided to, uh, to take a minute and, and try and earn some money and um, went back home and started looking for a job. So what, uh, what job did you have uh, going out of college, and did you stay in that field, or where did it lead you? Yeah, so I, I, my main goal was looking for a, um, a job or a company that had international in its title, <laughs> um, because I thought that would give me the opportunity to travel. Um, so I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I wanted to do something international. I wanted to keep traveling, um, so I started looking for, like I said, a job that for, with a company that had international in its title. And um, my brother-in-law had a friend that worked for BDP International. BDP International is a um, freight forwarding company. Uh, at the time they were family owned and they were headquartered in Philadelphia, but they had offices around the world. Um, freight forwarders, as you might know, were pretty, you know, pretty tied to the uh, trade compliance space, but freight forwarders um, move, at the time we moved cargo around the world. Um, I always used to say Campbell's was one of my clients, so I helped them move um, string beans from Singapore to the United States <laughs> or vice versa. So I was in the export department. Uh, I, I uh, was in, you know, I, I um, started in the Philadelphia office. I, I was really um, persistent in getting that job uh, because I, I did not hear back from them right away. Uh, but I kept calling the the who, the gentleman who's now the owner of the company or the president of the company, and I called him every day until he hired me. I just bothered him. Um, so they hired me. I got in, started doing ocean export documentation. Back in the day, there were no computers. Um, we did everything on that silly fax machine, sort of, you know, that that paper that that uh, uh, was really um, kind of hard to work with and. Ditto machine, so we were all covered in blue as we were printing out bills of lading. Um, but in 1991, I got the opportunity to move to New York uh, with with BDP um, and moved to the New York office, which was right next to the World Trade Centers. Um, I have I was in the World Trade Center in 1993 when that bomb went off. Um, that was scary, but uh, loved my New York experience with BDP. Um, and during that time, I actually decided to go to law school. So uh, applied to Seton Hall and New York Law School, got into both, decided to go to Seton Hall at night, and I kept working at BDP. Um, also during that time, I started working on um, working through BDP and their quality group. Um, the quality group is um, very, it's sort of consistent now with, with Lean Six Sigma stuff, so it's very process oriented. Um, and that really dovetailed well with, I think, my legal career, um, the, you know, doing process-oriented procedural kind of stuff. 
Um, so love that. Uh, did my first year at Seton Hall. Um, met my husband uh, that year. He was also working in BDP. Um, he convinced me to move to Chicago where he was. And I transferred law schools and um, BDP actually let me transfer over there too. So I worked at BDP uh, in Chicago, transferred law schools to John Marshall Law School and, and finished up at John Marshall. So uh, after you got to Chicago, what uh, were some of your experiences uh, continuing with BDP and then really moving it to other areas? I had a um, interesting uh, time at, at BDP, um, you know, was able to continue working and, and going to law school at night. But uh, uh, I left on January 19th, 1996. I know that last day at BDP because it happens to be the day my daughter was born. Um, she was three weeks early and I, uh, I went home from work on my last day and turned right around and went to the hospital and had a, had a baby. Um, so I, I took a little bit of time off and then um, about six months and then went to work for a solo practitioner um, as I had a new baby in the house. And uh, we were living in the Chicago area, and I got, had the opportunity to sort of get into the legal world, doing wills and real estate. Um, decided that is not my first love, um, and uh, started looking for other opportunities. So then I, I had the opportunity to clerk as a law clerk, and then this firm hired me um, as a lawyer when I graduated um, and got my JD. Uh, but that was for a plaintiff's firm. Um, a and I was a trial lawyer. Um, they were medical malpractice, catastrophic injury firm, um, Patrick Salvi, the, the firm was called Salvi, Shostak and Pritchard. Um, Patrick Salvi was the principal partner and um, you know one of my early, early mentors, obviously in my legal career, but just in general as a team leader and you know strategic guy, he was just amazing to work for, taught me so much. So how uh, was that, exp uh, I guess, with that kind of background, how do you think that really impacted not so much your career, but really the skill set that you have? Uh, because I've done a little bit of estate work, and it's very detailed uh, work, literally sometimes word by word. Uh, and then moving to, I'm also a recovering trial lawyer, so I understand uh, both the, the preparation for and going to trial, although my experience was generally from the defense side, how do you think those two really disparate uh, skills you have to have in the legal world helped you down the road? A couple things there. I, you know, I, I loved trial law. I loved it. I loved getting into trial mode. You know, and it really is sort of this focused world that you get into when you're when you're preparing for trial. Um, but I had a, a a young family, and I was trying to balance all of that. Um, which, you know, we'll talk about why I left that and, and got back into the international trade space. But but I think the skills that I learned there, and really it's a lot of the procedural stuff, right? It's it's how to how to manage a case and um, even managing outside clients um, or outside counsel, rather. Um, you know, now I, I, I did not work for a big firm. A lot of, you know, lawyers do that. Uh, or aspiring lawyers do that while they're in law school. I did not go to the big firm. I worked for these small boutique firms um, in my career, but uh, really working with, with Pat and, and, um, and the team at Salvi Shostak and Pritchard, learning how to manage a case, learning that procedural element to it, what those deadlines meant, how to manage a calendar, um, and then 
frankly, how to how to strategize the cases. Um, and re that's what I've taken th with me throughout my career. Um, you know, Pat had a great plan on on um, and we have weekly strategy meetings and I still do that with my teams today. Um, we we have that sort of same platform that I that Pat taught me in in the early days at Salvi Shostak and Pritchard. Um, and I, I maintain that strategy session every week with my team. So in 2000, you switched your practice focus back to trade routes, uh, your trade routes, and went into an international trade uh, position uh, from the legal perspective. But what I really wanted to ask was, how did your work uh, as working on the business side at BDP and having that experience really help inform you when you went to a law firm uh, working on lots of different issues for lots of different clients. You obviously had a client perspective. What did that bring to you as a lawyer uh, beginning your international trade practice? Yeah, that was key. Um, and it was really the reason why this firm, it was a Chicago boutique firm. They're not, they're not around anymore. They've sort of, you know, uh, 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 split up and went into other areas, but that's what, um, was intriguing about me for this firm that I had that freight forwarding experience because um, most importers and exporters use freight forwarders and they're the ones that move the cargo around the world. So you, I, I had an understanding. I already knew the lingo. I already knew what a bill of lading was and a commercial invoice and a packing list. And I knew what all the documentation um, that was required uh, uh, and all of the government agencies that were involved in moving cargo around the world. So I had that sort of step up on other young lawyers, um, and that was really key. That's what that was what was intriguing about me for this firm and why I joined the firm. Um, I I loved that part. I love that import export world that I that background that I developed in, at BDP, um, and you know I think uh, I had I had a pretty I was at BDP for about seven years. Um, and I had a pretty good network there of uh, uh, friends that, you know, I, I'm still in touch with and have sort of followed me throughout my career. And that was the other thing. I, you know, I had a lot of clients at BDP. That was another um, sort of, you know, rainmaking opportunity for the firm. So those are, are things that I think were helpful going into the international trade law firm and, um, again, intriguing why they wanted to hire me. So, Ellen, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but uh, in honor of you, we're going to start a new segment on the Compliance Life. We're inspired by you, perhaps. It's called Favorite Adopted <laughs> Saying. So, in this uh, first part of or early part of your uh, professional career and your academic career, did you develop a favorite adopted saying? I did. So, you know, I think I've taken a little bit of something from each of my um, mentors in my career. And, and Patrick Salvi taught me this line and, and it is with all due respect. And uh, that, that can mean a whole lot of things, but when that comes out of my mouth, people usually know what it means. <laughs> and with all due respect, um, you know, I, you're wrong. So, um, you know, and, and that's, that's something that I, I hold back, you know, when, when I, when I want to use it, it, I know it sort of gives me that confidence to say, I know what I'm talking about and we're going to go forward. But that was a favorite line. Pat was, a, is a brilliant man. And, um, it's one of the things that I've adopted from, from Pat. 
Well, Alan, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me. I hope our listeners will join us in episode two, where we uh, uh, begin to look at your in-house career. I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you'll join me again next week where I take up another episode in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, Any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.